here's the latest on Alex Pillow, the man who apparently has two contracts. As we recapped last week on Pit Pass Indy, Pillow announced he had signed a contract with McLaren just hours after Chip Ganassi Racing announced it was picking up the option for the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion to remain in the number 10 NTT Data Honda in 2023. Just three days after Pillow was announced as next year's driver by two different teams, the driver from Spain met with a group of media on Friday at Toronto, site of the Honda Indy Toronto. Here are highlights of what Pillow had to say. I'm still super happy where I am. Uh, we're still committed to trying to win this championship as we've been doing since uh, race one. And I'm happy. I'm happy with my team, with my crew, with my teammates and with everything. So nothing changed. Uh, not after money, not after anything in particular. Um, yeah, just this championship that we have to, to try and win. I understand that it's something you guys are super interested on, completely understand. Um, and I would do the same if I was on your position. But um, I have nothing else to add to what I said. Um, I'm not going to tell more about what I said already. And, and we're here, we're in Toronto, uh, we're fighting for a championship together um, and we're going to try and do the best we can to try and win it. Chip, Chip Ganassi, everybody that is around me and myself, we are all professionals. We want the same thing, which is to win. That's it, period. Um, and, and I don't know exactly, I'm not going to tell you, hey, yeah, we're going to catch a beer and we'll solve it. I have no idea. But um, hopefully it's going to be that way. Um, personally, myself, I don't think it's going to affect me at all. Obviously, yeah, I have more cameras today. I have more uh, questions to answer that are a bit more difficult than normal. But at the end of the day, I'm a driver. That's the only thing I know how to do. Um, and this is not going to affect me at all negatively um, when it comes to performance. Maybe even the opposite, because... All eyes are on me, and I know as soon as I'm out on track, everybody's going to look for that number 10. So um, me personally, it's not going to affect. Then the team, the organization itself, I don't think it's going to affect at all. And then my crew, I don't know, but I'm trying to support them as much as possible because honestly, they have nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. Let's say like uh, all my mechanics and stuff, and I know they have added pressure from everybody. So, yeah, I'm just trying to support them uh, as much as possible because we're in this together and, uh, yeah, we'll try and put it out on track. Man, I know, again, I know it's a really hot topic, but um, I have nothing else to add to what I said before and we're here to win. Polo was the center of speculation throughout the paddock for most of the weekend. Chip Ganassi Racing teammate Scott Dixon even said, that's not how you would handle a situation like this. On the track, Polo overcame engine difficulty and qualifications and started 22nd. He was able to race his way to a sixth-place finish. Polo could also be in line for a Formula One seat at McLaren, depending on if his contract mess ever gets sorted. Aero McLaren SP driver Felix Rosenquist even believes Pelot may not be allowed to race at all in 2023. This remains an ongoing story without resolution anytime soon, so Pit Pass Indy will continue to monitor it. And now, back to our regularly scheduled episode of Pit Pass Indy. 
IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway on August 20th. Make plans now to be part of the action by visiting www.raceway.com and bomberito.com. This episode of Pit Pass Indy is once again jam-packed with content, including exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in IndyCar. Today's episode includes my exclusive interview with Scott Dixon, winner of the July 17th Honda Indy Toronto at Exhibition Place. It was Dixon's 52nd career IndyCar victory, which ties him with the legendary Mario Andretti for second on IndyCar's all-time wins list. Only A.J. Foyt has more IndyCar wins with 67. The rest of the show will be a deep dive into Team Penske with in-depth interviews with team manager IndyCar, Kyle Moyer, Team Penske Managing Director, IndyCar, Ron Rizuski, and Team Penske President, Tim Sendrick. We'll wrap up today's show with Bomberito Automotive Group Vice President and General Manager, Chuck Wallace, who gives race fans insight into the August 20th Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Let's get right to it with my exclusive interview with Scott Dixon after he won Sunday's Honda Indy Toronto. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. It's a true honor and privilege to have Scott Dixon join us, the winner of the Honda Indy Toronto. Scott, it was your 52nd career victory, which now ties you with Mario Andretti for second on the all-time victory list. That in itself has to be a huge honor. Yeah, it was huge. You know, uh, I think, you know, each weekend, honestly, we just treat it as each weekend and try to win. You know, we're in the, the business of winning and, and uh, you know, the stats kind of take care of themselves. Obviously, this was a, a big milestone, you know, uh, one of the all-time greats and, and, you know, matching Mario was, um, you know, I guess unexpected, especially in my early career. I never even thought that would be possible. So, you know, to have uh, the likes of him and AJ, you know, at a lot of race weekends is, is very special. So, um, I'm a big fan of his and, and what he's achieved and what he does for our sport uh, day in, day out. Uh, you know, massive respect. After today's race, Felix Rosenquist described you as the ultimate role model for younger drivers in the IndyCar paddock. In a lot of ways, when you came to the United States, was Mario Andretti that role model, even though he wasn't racing at the time? You know, he, he still had a presence to him that younger drivers felt. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what that generation did in, in many ways and, you know, the different categories that they raced in, uh, you know, whether it was at Le Mans or IndyCar or Formula One to, you know, NASCAR, you know, these, these are all-time greats, man. And, and uh, you know, I always looked up to them, um, you know, and, and probably in my period, you know, it was, it was, you know, Michael a little bit more and, you know, even my teammates, uh, you know, at that point in time uh, was, you know, Mastery Guzman and, and, you know, Jordan Farron and, you know, Alio even at that time, you know, so, uh, and TK, you know, there was, there was a lot. So, but um, yeah, you know, I think, um Mario has true legendary status, you know, I think, and, and, you know, what he did in so many different categories, you know, we, we, we none, of, none of my generation or generations behind me will ever probably get that, you know, uh, that chance. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, um, it means a lot, man. It means a lot. Do you remember the first time that you personally met Mario Andretti and what was it like for a young kid from New Zealand to meet this legendary racing name? Uh, I don't exactly remember, you know, I was definitely pretty shy when I first came into the sport. Um, but I, I was probably even in, in indie lights and it would have been, you know, maybe at a, a presentation thing or, you know, uh, even maybe, you know, my first year in, in, uh, you know, cast in 2001. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't really have, uh, you know, the personality to just go up and start talking to, to Mario Andretti. But I think what we see is that anybody can do that with him. You know, he, He's um, such an advocate for the sport and, and the way he portrays it and portrays himself, you know, is is, um, is what makes him, you know, who he is. And, and, and you know, I guess it's quite touching for, for so many that, you know, if you go up tomorrow and ask him a question, he's going to tell you straight, you know, which is which is very special. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly when I first met him, but, um, you know, it's obviously probably a good 20 years ago now. Your first victory of the season, your first win since May 1st, 2021, when you won at uh, Texas Motor Speedway, you tie Mario Andretti for the victory list. But most importantly, you're back at the championship hunt, not like you ever went away. How much does this make going for a seventh NTT IndyCar Series championship that much more realistic with this victory? Yeah, it puts us a little bit closer. Um, obviously, we've got three, you know, two other teammates right there. Uh, you know, I think that's the the more important thing is making sure that you know we can try and keep the championship at home. Uh, and everybody's been doing you know a, a tremendous job. So you know, uh, we're a little bit closer. I think we're forty plus points back uh, still, which is you know it's a, it's a it's a good amount. But you know, obviously, something that you can flip in almost a race weekend, and especially with a double header coming up here, um, you know, that may you know change you know for the good for good or for bad uh, quite quickly. For, for a lot of people that are in contention at the moment. So, again, we'll just we'll keep our head down and, and you can start focusing on the championship once you get down to the last couple of races. But, um, you know, I guess, again, like I've always said, you kind of, in that period of time when you haven't won, you just, you, you know, and even winning today, you, you're still constantly thinking about the close misses you had. Hey, last question. The last driver to win three races in a seven-day period was you in 2013. There's three races in a seven-day period, counting the Iowa doubleheader next week. A lot of points on the line. How key of a seven-day period do you see this being in terms of you taking control of a championship run? Uh, that would be huge. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. And we're going to attract that's not... Um, you know, we, we've definitely got a lot better there in, in, in recent history. But, you know, as we saw last year, you know, we, we had a problem in qualifying and we were able to come from kind of, I think, the last row and, and get to second. So, you know, um, we definitely have the, the team and the equipment to get it done. Uh, again, we'll just have to, to keep our head down. And if that's possible, man, we'll, we'll definitely be trying to take it. 
Scott Dixon, from all of us here at Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Congratulations on the big victory today, and congratulations on becoming IndyCar's second all-time career victory leader. Thank you, man. Next up is Kyle Moyer, team manager, IndyCar at Team Penske, as he tells us why all three drivers on the team are off to great starts this season. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is Kyle Moyer, IndyCar team manager at Team Penske. Kyle, I've got to ask you, you've won, your team has won most of the races since IndyCar's returned over to uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway. What is your secret? Um, I, I don't know if there's a secret um, other than right now, the whole team, drivers, crews, engineering, all the way from top to bottom is really executing really good. Um, now, having said that, I think... Um, our team still feels a bit like we haven't done that good this year. I mean, there's one race that means everything to this place, to everybody that works here, and that's the Indy 500. And 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 we didn't do a good job. You know, there was you look at all the other weeks, and we've executed uh, quite well. But there was a two week, two and a half week period there that we didn't execute very well. And you know, that's what we're going to work on and make sure it doesn't happen next year. But as far as those, the short oval race at Worldwide Technology Raceway, it seemed, you know, Joseph's won that race three times. I believe Will's won it. Uh, you know, it's always an exciting race. What is the reason why that track puts on such a great race? Well, I think because it's a short oval. I mean, I think our Indy cars are, you know, so fast and, and with the downforce and everything, and drivers have to get up on the wheels. I mean, you see it at Iowa's, you see it, any of the short ovals we run, you know, and Gateway sort of lends with the tight one-two where you are lifting, you are downshifting, tires go away. If you abuse them, they can stay with you. If you don't, um, new tires coming out of the pits is huge. So I think you add all that into the combination, and, and that's what makes that race. I mean, you could be good at the start, you could be good at the end, you could be long long-run cars, you could be short-run cars. It, it all depends. And, and, you know, every year we come down to the end and it's, you know, two guys, three guys, four guys fighting it out for the win. As far, though, as the 2022 season, Team Penske's had a very good year. I believe you've won six of the nine races so far. Joseph Newgarden's won three times. Scott McLaughlin's won twice. Will Powers won a race. So in a lot of ways, excluding the Indy 500, you'd have to say this has been a pretty successful season. Yeah, I, I think it has. I mean, you know, Will is just driving better than I've ever seen Will drive. Uh, we'll start with that with him. And, you know, he understands how to win a championship, He and that's what he's striving for and the reason why he's on top right now trying to win that championship. I think Joseph is, is being normal Joseph. He just... He's good everywhere and just drives the car to its limit all the time, which is great to see. And then I think everybody's sort of seen how Scotty's matured. I, I shouldn't say matured, but has, you know, grown into IndyCar. I mean, we, I think we all saw flashes of it last year. Uh, now we're seeing the flashes actually into wins. And, and, 
you know, he, he had a couple here and there still, and, and that's part of the sophomore year. But uh, for a guy to be two wins already and only a year and a half of IndyCars from a guy that came from a stand car, you know, I think is, is incredible on his part. Getting back to the short ovals that we had discussed, you're from Monrovia, Indiana, and at that time, a, a lot of the big names in IndyCar or in the USAC Champ Car Trail at that time, whether it be the Bettenhausens or whoever, USAC Racing, Midget Racing, Silver Crown Racing was a big deal. Do you see that's the core group of fans and spectators that you get over at the at over there in Gateway at Worldwide Technology Raceway? Yeah, but, I mean, maybe i got a soft spot or not, but, you know, I think it's the core fan of true racing anyway. And so um, I love seeing those those fans from the short ovals be dirt or asphalt, you know, the weekly shows coming to Gateway to watch, you know, where they can see exactly, you know, kids that have been doing it from the start. I think it's true racing. I, I love the ovals, always will love the oil, ovals. But, yeah, I mean, running at Terre Haute, the action track, running up in Springfield, you know, on the dirt and DeCoin and all those through my days, you know, I, I think those are the true fans because those are the ones that actually come up and ask you questions that, you know, like how, what happened at this race or what happened at that race? And they actually understand what's going on. So, you know, I hope more show up this year. I think it, the more that come, the more that see how good the race is at Gateway, and I think it'll just get better as we go. Do you see, though, that with the ownership of the place, uh, uh, Curtis Francois and, uh, you know, Jonathan Bomarito's help, uh, what they've been able to do and, and Chris Blair with the promotion, how much that they've dramatically revived uh, that facility because 20 years ago you couldn't get a crowd like that in the gateway or they just didn't come. Now it's one of the highlights of the season. Yeah, I think that's probably – what's put it on the map. I think that's why everybody talks about it. Um, we put on great shows there, like you say, 20 years ago, and we didn't have the fans, you know. So um, it's a, not a matter about what kind of show we can put on. It's about promoting it. At the same time, you know, if he's taking care of the fans half as good as he's taking care of the teams, I, I think it's a fantastic deal. I mean, they all there seem to care uh, that is a great facility. They keep on improving it. They put money into it um, to make it a better show. So I think all in all, you know, you, I hope it stays as a long-term deal. I think it's a thing that we can grow on and be one of the, you know, marquee events that we do in the fall. And, you know, it, it, that race is going to matter for the championship. You know, it's three races from the end. So, you know, the championship guys, this is maybe a race that you can make up points on. And would you like to see more short ovals on the schedule? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see more ovals in period. But at the same time, I think short ovals, I think places like, you know, Richmond and these types of places, you know, we could be really good at. I think we could put on quite a show. I, I think it's you've got the drivers now I, from, you know, the top 20 drivers all can drive on these short ovals pretty good. So I think we put on a good show. So why not have more of them? I think it's it's a easy show to do. I like the night races and the evening races. I think that makes our cars look even faster than they already are. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be all for them. Well, I know that you've got a lot to do here at the shop, so I'm going to let you go a little bit early, but Kyle Moyer, IndyCar team manager, team Penske, congratulations so far this season. 
Good luck the rest of the season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thanks for having me on. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Let's get to know Ron Rzewski, the Managing Director for IndyCar and IMSA at Team Penske. He tells me in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy how the team has regained its championship form in 2022 and areas that he would like to see improvement on in the future. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is Team Penske IndyCar Managing Director Ron Rzewski. It's been a pretty good year so far at the halfway point of the season. Joseph Newgarden's got three victories. Scott McLaughlin's got two. And Will Powers got a victory. Had a pretty good race at Mid-Ohio where he went from last in the field after a spin-out all the way up to third place. Uh, what do you see as being one of the big reasons why the team has had a pretty good first half of the 2022 season? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is it's just been a, a, a you know a tighter focus. Uh, last couple of years we've been you know more than three cars, and there's been a lot of uh, you know a lot of diversions along the way. And you know this year we've been able to just really concentrate those energies and and really focus on making sure we get the basics right, making sure the cars are built well. You know, Scotty's in his second year. He's able to contribute. And really, we're just able to, you know, have the drivers 
you know, use each other's, use their strengths. We've been unloading off the truck strong every weekend, which obviously makes the, the job a little bit easier and really get the most out of the drivers and, and the engineers can lean on each other. Our setups have been pretty close between all the cars. So we've been really able to feed off of each other and, you know, make the weekends go really smooth and fluid. I asked Tim Sendrick, uh, Team Penske president, the same question last week. And it was, is Scott McLaughlin at the point where you expected him to be at this point in his career? And he said, absolutely. He says, first year, it's going to be a little tough no matter how good of a driver you are. He said, second year, he is showing the understanding and the racecraft a little bit better. From your point of view, how do you see where he is? Is this exactly where you thought he would be when you hired him as an IndyCar driver? Uh, I guess I wasn't 100% certain where he'd be this year. I expected him to be flirting with the, you know, the the podium on, on a regular basis or certainly top eight on a regular basis. You know, we knew the speed was there. I was hoping that he would be in the top six mix in qualifying, you know, did I expect him to have two wins at this time? Not really. Did I expect him to have one? I was very hopeful of it, and I knew the potential was there. Um, you know, he, you know, he's just shown though that his strength and and really what we knew from the V8 world, you know, has really you know crossed come across. And you know, there's still things that he has to learn. He's a, you know he'll admit that, and you know he'll he still leans on his teammates a lot. Uh, even this weekend, uh, you know, I sat there in the debrief room and I, and, you know, he and Joseph were talking before qualifying and, you know, how to, how to steer the car towards, you know, the setup towards qualifying. And, you know, Joseph gave him some advice and, you know, it worked out for Scott. I mean, he was our best qualifier, but, um, you know, I, I think that his progress is, is pretty much what we expected him to be. And hopefully he can just carry it on and be a title contender. How important was it for him to win that first race of the season in St. Pete? Oh, it was huge. I mean, having him do that was uh, just a massive confidence boost that, you know, kind of defined him that he belongs and, you know, he was ready to be here and that, you know, he belonged here. So, you know, I think it was huge in, in getting that done. And at this, you know, couldn't ask for a better timing than the be beginning of the season. And then when he lost that race at Texas by just the narrowest of margins to his teammate, Joseph Newgarden, did it take him a while to kind of bounce back from that? Because, I mean, he's coming out of turn four. He's looking at the checkered flag. Next thing you know, here comes his teammate right around him to win the race. <laughs> you know, I can't, at least from the outside, you know, his, uh, you know, what he showed all of us was he bounced back from it right away and he didn't let it bother him. I can't say individually, you know, how he, how well he personalized it himself, but it was probably a good thing for him because it was a reminder of how difficult this is and how cagey you have to be. So honestly, it was probably he wouldn't agree, but it was probably one of the best things that could have happened to him. And I think it's just really made him stronger as a driver. Another driver that you've got, Will Power. He's shown a little bit of a resurgence. Not that he necessarily really went anywhere, but the last couple of seasons he's had some some bad luck hit him, like at Detroit when the red flag and the car wouldn't start. And, you know, he threw away an apparent victory that way because of just something completely out of anybody's control. This year, he seems to be a little bit more focused, uh, shows the same speed he's shown that when he was younger, 
he's won some polls. He showed at Mid-Ohio the ability to drive through the field on a track where it's supposed to be difficult to pass. Has a victory this year. How do you assess where Will Power is at right now? Man, I, I mean, you know, if you look at it from the outside looking in, you know, Will Power showing us, a, you know, a Scott Dixon kind of season and, you know, some of these others where he's, you know, he's he has the speed and he's always had the speed and he's never lost the speed. He's just had years where, he's, where for various reasons, we've not been able to turn that into results. And this year he takes what the car gives him and if the car gives him pull speed he gets the pull uh runs up front if the car doesn't he takes what he can get we've had a little you know we've had some stumbles along the way i mean elkhart lake we had more potential than we showed um obviously mid ohio qualifying you know we had a car that was arguably capable of taking the pole and and we messed that up but you know we came back and showed showed well in the race. Um, Indianapolis, we had our struggles as a team still. Um, you know, there was there was just Indianapolis-isms, I guess, uh, for a lot, of, a lot of teams. But, you know, for the most part, he's taken what it's been given him and, you know, he's capitalized where he could. And, and you know, honestly, I think he's enjoying it. He's, uh, he's sort of relishing the moments and, um, you know, he's looking at the big picture and, you know, he's – he is putting in that drive. He does have that capability. He hasn't lost the fire. And when you're a driver his age, how important is that to still have that fire? Because you talked to Rick Mears, and he said the reason why he retired at such a young age was he just didn't have that fire anymore. I think it's huge. Um, you know, he sees it. He sees it in guys like O'Ward and, you know, Scotty and, um, you know, uh, Paulo and, and – all these young guys coming in, he, he sees their speed and he's driven to, you know, be the best and still, you know, be in contention for the polls. Um, but, you know, he knows what their capabilities are as well. And he'll, you know, I think the difference is now he'll, you'll openly hear, hear him talk about how quick some of these guys are. And, but then he goes and does the homework to make sure that he's on pace with them. Joseph Newgarden, three victories at the midway point of the season, in good position to win the championship. Some people may say that he's rebounding, but he never really went away. The last two years, he was in the championship all the way to the very end. It was just he was chasing rather than being the guy that was being chased. In a lot of ways, his performance has never really tailed off since his last championship. So what do you see as uh, the reason why he's been able to continue that high level of performance. Man, you know, Joseph's about as solid as they come. He's just, like you say, he's, he's since his last championship, he's never went away. Um, you know, he's still chasing that elusive Indy 500 win, uh, like, like many others. But as far as all the rest of the places, you know, there's not a place that we show up that he's not a contender in my eyes. Uh, it's just a matter of if we give him the tools. And I think this year, you know, although last year, like you said, he was he was in contention, but it wasn't as obvious until the last race. I think that was because he was probably the the sole person carrying the torch for us, and everybody else was a bit all over the place. Now it's it's a bit more obvious that he's he's right there because Will and Scotty are there, and quite frankly, the three of them. There's great chemistry; they're able to feed off of each other, and I really look forward to the second half of the season because that's when. 
you know, we usually see Joseph stretch his legs. And, you know, I think we got three horses that are all, you know, all in it to, to stretch their legs and start, show, you know, putting some points up on the board. Now, the one baffling thing has to be the Indianapolis 500 because that's a race that you guys have owned and, you know, your team owner actually owns the race now, Roger Penske. What do you see as the reasons why the last couple of years Team Penske has struggled at the one race that they have really epitomized success at that track? That's a great question because if I knew it, <laughs> we wouldn't be struggling. Um, you know, for sure we had a regroup for this coming season. And, uh, you know, at this year's Indianapolis event, we made some pretty significant gains over the prior year. You know, once the AeroScreen car came in, you know, we seem to have lost our way a little bit. And, you know, like I said, this year we made some significant gains, but unfortunately some of the other teams, you know, Ganassi and ECR and Errol McLaren and some of these other guys, they, you know, they didn't sit back either and they all made some, some gains. Um, albeit our gains were probably bigger than theirs, but they already had a leg up on us. So we still got some catching up to do. You know, that, that's a long race. And if you look at the, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at that race. And if you look at the trajectory of how, you know, Scott was doing and Joseph was doing in that race and the cars they passed, they were, you know, positioning themselves for a good finish. But then a bad, you know, one guy stalls on pit lane, one guy, you know, misjudges a little bit and puts it in the fence. And next thing you know, their days are over. Um, no different than, you know, Scott, Scott, uh, Dixon, who's got the dominant car, and he has one small hiccup, and he doesn't win. So it's such a hard race to win. You got to have everything perfect, uh, a little bit of lady luck, and um, you know, we'll be back. We'll get it. So there's still and a lot of drivers that are in the top ten that aren't very many points behind the championship leader. Have you ever seen it be this tight, that deep at the halfway point of the season? Well, for sure. Um, it's getting back to, I, I hate to say it, but the good old days dating myself a little bit. But, you know, there was a time when you could win a bunch of races and still not win the championship. And if you go back further in history, when it was, when the field was as deep as it is now, you could maybe not even win a race and win the championship if you were consistent because it's so tough and the field's so tight. And that's where, you know, that's where I think we're at now. What's such good, you know, there's so many good drivers and that's why you're seeing, you know, the, a few points here and there making a difference. So, you know, it's exactly what we expected. You know, the, the longer the car remains unchanged with more good drivers, more good teams, you're going to figure it out. Everybody's, what do we have, uh, nine different pole winners in nine races? You know, that's... Um, somebody said a stat, I was, I think, 1961 since that's happened. So, you know, it's not surprising the way the points are right now. You brought up the car, and that's an interesting thing to look at because it pretty much has been the same tub since 2012. Different body work and iterations since then. Uh, where do you stand, though, on the lifespan of this vehicle? I know that Currently, Jay Fry and even Roger Penske have said that they don't really have a new car necessarily on the drawing boards. But from your point of view, how much is left to extract out of this type of car from an engineering and performance standpoint? It really depends. You know, 
on how the rules continue to evolve, uh, you know, right now the the biggest thing on the drawing board is the power unit and what's going to happen there in 24. So between, you know, for next year at least, there's talk of potentially a few small tweaks. Again, it, it really boils down to what happens in 24 and, and how we lead up into that. But, you know, until then, we just continue to look at the available open areas and, you know, work on everything else that we can. So if the, if nothing else is available, you know, we'll look at um, how can we make the car lighter? Um, you know, is there is there just different things out there, whether it's how many coats of paint you put on it or, you know, how, what can we do at our pit stops? And there's always, you know, that's the beauty of racing, right? You're always going to look for an edge. How can I train my driver better? What can we do there? What, what, where did we miss opportunities? So, you know, we'll continue to look at that. And then, you know, every year Firestone brings some variation of the tire, even if it's just manufacturing variation. So we still have to tune for it on a given weekend. Um, you know, so until, until there's changes, we just have to be as prepared as we can be and exploit any areas that we can each week. Will Power has said the new engine with the hybrid assist component, the speeds are going to really jump. But he said the extra weight in the car, the car may not be as nimble handling-wise. Do you see that as being a trade-off? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, basic physics, it's um, if the car, you know, if the CG raises and if the car mass goes up, again, depending on what they do with tires uh, and how we harness that grip, um, if we do anything with brakes to make the car stop better, uh, just all those different things all play into it. So it's a little bit premature to say if we're going to be – slower, faster, the same, but I know the targets are for the car to be at least the same, if not faster. And to, per, you know, the goal, you know, the, the secondary goal there is to create more raceability, um, you know, much like we see with push to pass and other things. So since Scott Dixon had the highest pole speed in Indianapolis 500 history, although it's not the track record because that was a second day qualification attempt by Ari Leyendijk in 1996, but with us, the series back up in the 234 range, do you see that Ari's record is in jeopardy over the next couple of years? It, it very well could be. Again, it really depends on how, uh, the, how the changes go within the series as far as, you know, aero components, uh, power unit components, how we utilize those power you know, units. I think it's a little premature to say, but it's very possible. And wrapping up here with Ron Rizuski, the IndyCar Managing Director for Team Penske. Want to talk to you a little bit about the Bomarito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Team Penske's been very successful there since IndyCar went back there. Joseph Newgarden has three victories at that race. There's been a couple of other Team Penske winners. What is it about that race that makes it one of the highlights of the season? And what is it that Team Penske does so well in that particular race? Um, man, I can't tell of everything because I don't really want everybody to know what we do so well there. But, um, you know, the short ovals definitely have catered to our team in recent years. I think we have a handle on it. I think one of the biggest things is we have good drivers that, you know, we've, arrived at these events and been able to really capitalize on the information between each of the drivers. You know, we have a good understanding of the car uh, on the short ovals. Uh, th that one in particular is is a bit tricky, um, you know, but having been around, you know, the days of Milwaukee and Phoenix and 
all of these, you know, we're able to, to draw on our, you know, experiences and really understand what we think we need. And, and again, I, I put it back to the drivers and they're able to tell us what they want uh, and we're able to deliver it to them. You know, this year, I believe they're going to change the rules a bit, uh, which I hate seeing because we're, we've been really well there, done really well there in the past. And, um, you know, they're, they're talking about a couple things. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, hopefully we can keep that dominance. You guys are focused when you're at the track on your job and that's that build the best car possible for that particular race. But do you ever feel the atmosphere that that place has? Because on race night, a lot of fans are there. A lot of them are coming over from Indianapolis. They've got huge fireworks explosion that goes off on the parade lap, big fireworks afterwards. Do you ever have a chance to soak any of that in? Um, you know, it's one of the things I tell all of our guys, especially uh, especially the younger guys, uh, to make sure you, you take it take a minute to um, enjoy what it is and why you're doing it. Um, you know, I, I've been doing it for a long time, so oftentimes I only catch myself doing that at Indianapolis, and you know that's a huge motivation for me. At, at you know, for doing this is Indianapolis, but it's the older I get, the more I realize how important it is to take it in and, and the, you know, the Bummerito, uh, event that's, it's huge. Like you say, it's, it's definitely, uh, there's definitely a, a swell around that and, and we encourage everyone to do that. And what do you see is one of the biggest reasons why that race has rejuvenated itself so well, because we were racing there 20 years ago and it didn't have anywhere near the buzz or the crowd that it has today. Obviously, Curtis Francois buying the track, Jonathan Bomarito promoting it. They've done a spectacular job. Uh, Chris Blair, the general manager there. How do you begin to describe the appreciation from a team standpoint that you've got three guys there that have really turned that into one of the highlights of the season? Well, I think you exactly what you said. You hit on it and you know, we see these promoters going out and, and spreading the word that, you know, IndyCar is where it's at and there's a, a great series and, you know, it's in, and they're trying to create events, not just races. They're trying to create events and we're seeing more and more of that so that the people, you know, who have so many choices of what to do on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, afternoon can pick IndyCar racing because, you know, it is an event and it's a spectacle and, you get to see some really fast race cars at cool venues and, you know, catering to the fans. So, you know, I think we're very appreciative of what these promoters are doing to build the series. And before we go to the Bomberito Automotive Group 500, at the end of July is going to be the doubleheader at Iowa Speedway. Just the whole concept of that. How cool is that? I know it's going to be a hot day for you guys because it's always hot in the daytime in Iowa. But to package that, two races, one weekend, with all that entertainment that they'll have performing before, during, after the races, how cool is that? Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's a lot, a, lot of, uh, a lot of concerts going on. I think for a fan, again, as I touched on earlier, I mean, they've really created an event, and it's going to be – it's going to be fun to see. We were out there uh, at a test, and um, we ran the cars down uh, one of the streets right downtown um, in in Des Moines to promote the race. And there were people out on the sidewalks, and it was really cool. The high V's putting a lot into it, and it's it's going to be a huge hype. And man, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see. I think it could really change the way uh, some of our races are done. 
Now, are you a short oval guy? Do you prefer to see more short ovals on the schedule? I like to balance. Um, I, you know, two, three short ovals is good. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing one or two more, you know, at least one more big speedway event. Uh, but I, I really like the variety, and I think that's what IndyCar differentiates itself from all the others. Ron Rizuski, IndyCar Managing Director at Team Penske. Congratulations so far this season. Good luck the rest of the way, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Great. Thank you. And now, strike up the band. It's hail to the chief as we sit down for an interview with Team Penske President Tim Sendrick in another Pit Pass Indy exclusive interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is Team Penske President Tim Sendrick. Tim, the team's having a very good season in 2022. All of your drivers have won races. Joseph Newgarden is a multiple race winner. What do you see as being uh, the reason for the improved performance this season? Well, I think we're, we're sitting halfway you know, as we sit in mid-Ohio and, and try and understand what it's going to take to win the championship. You know, I, I feel like throughout last year, we were probably more competitive than, than people saw, you know, from, from the results, especially early in the year. Um, yeah, I, I think as you continue to look at this package, but also when you look at Scott McLaughlin and, and the, I guess, the the experience level that he had last year relative to this year, you know, we're, we're sitting there with with three drivers that are, are really pushing each other in in the good way. Um, and all three drivers, I think, hit the ground running this year. Uh, when you look at, you know, the work that Chevrolet's done, you know, they, they continue to, to push forward with with way that where they are, you know, from a, a drivability standpoint as, as well as a, you know, an overall performance uh, from a power standpoint. So I, I think we've done a good job executing up to this point. Um, I think we're probably, uh, as I said, when you look at some of the races that that didn't go our way last year, and it's well documented, Detroit, you know, we, we couldn't get restarted there with Will. Should have won that race. We had the problem on the restart with with Joseph. So there were there were things, some in our control, some outside of our control last year, especially the first half of the year, um, that didn't play out the the way that they could or should have. So um, yeah, I feel like we've made some good gains in the off season. You know, we continue to you know, attract good people within the team. And I think the teams work well together. And also, how important was it to see Will Power get back to being the Will Power that we all know and we know what he can do? Uh, he's winning polls again. He's winning races again. I'm sure that in a lot of ways, that's got to be a, a really good feel-good story for the team. Yeah, Will's done a really good job of, of looking at where he can focus, you know, both on and off the track, you know, physically and mentally. You know, he's always been in the best physical shape, but he's he's also, you know, ha had to evolve with, um, you know, really what what he needs to do to be the most productive as far as how how we can make ourselves better. And, you know, he's bringing that experience to to both Joseph and to Scott. And, you know, he, he certainly understands and, and welcomes it when those guys push him, because if if your teammates aren't pushing, you, you really don't know where the boundaries are. And I, I think the three of these guys have done a really good job in doing that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, us going from a, a four car team to a three car team is, is you know, narrowed that focus for us. And you know, we've been, been able to 
you know, to, to probably, it's harder to staff four cars as winning cars um, than it is three cars. And if you look across the paddock or whatever else, uh, it's hard to put three winning drivers on the same team. Um, you know, and I, I think that's been one strength that we've had in a lot of ways that we've typically put teams and drivers out there that we expect to have a chance to win every week. Um, you know, when you look at the team's performance, really overall, man, since 2000, we we're talking about the other day that, uh, you know, every driver that's driven full time for us since like 2000 has either won a championship or won an Indy 500 or both, you know, I think with the exception of one. So, uh, you know, and, and obviously Scott, Scott McLaughlin would be two. So it's, it's, um, and he's just getting started. So I, I think, you know, that, that's, that's been something that's, it's helped us and hurt us when you look at the overall championship uh, focus, because I think the, the formula to win more championships is typically to focus on, put all your strength on one car or one driver. Uh, we've never done that here. Um, whereas some teams that formula works better when you're trying to win an overall championship, but when you're trying to win races week in and week out, you know, having three or four drivers that can do that is, has really been our philosophy anyway. And how do you describe the level of improvement that Scott McLaughlin has had from his rookie season to this year? Honestly, it's, it's been expected, um, only because we've known him, you know, I've spent a lot of time with him in Australia. I went to quite a few races over the years and uh, was really with Scott from the very beginning, the first conversation. And, and I know how determined he is. I know how much pressure he puts on himself. And I know the respect that he has from his peers wherever he's raced. So, um, you know, as we told him last year was for him and for him to do whatever he needs to get comfortable and confident. And then, you know, this year, I think we collectively, you know, we're expecting, uh, you know, podiums and challenging for wins. And obviously he went out and did that right off the bat in St. Pete. And, uh, you know, you still, I think if you ask him, you'll still see that he's still learning along the way as far as when to push and when, when to take what it gives you. Um, but at the same time, he's shown the pace. He's always had the pace. It's just really a matter of, of being more confident and, and comfortable with these different tracks. And on August 20th, IndyCar returns to the Bomarito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, a race where Team Penske's had a lot of success. Joseph Newgarden's won there three times. What is it about short oval racing that really brings out a different level, a different type of racing uh, in the NTT IndyCar Series? Well, you see how competitive it is and, and the tracks that we're going to now. When, when you look at going back to Iowa, I think you're going to see a really good race in Iowa. Um, you saw a great race in Texas there at the end. Uh, you know, it's, it's commitment. It's experience. Yeah, the, the drivers, it's, it's hard to go there the first time and, and be competitive. You know, I, I think you saw that in McLaughlin and Grosjean and some of these guys that, that have a lot of speed and a lot of experience. But, you know, to go there on the ovals, it's, it's a different level and it's a different place, even more so than, than uh, you know, Texas and Indy. The bigger ovals uh, are probably, once you get used to the speed, it's, it's probably – uh, it's commitment, yes, but uh, the the technique and the things that you need to do different from the race to to the to the uh, the qualifying because of the tire degradation. You know, you don't see a lot of degradation right now at Texas or at Indy, but you'll see that at Iowa for sure. And uh, you know that 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 has a whole different mindset behind it and a, a different level of experience as far as how hard you push. You can expect to see the three team Penske uh, cars challenging for the victory at. The Bomarito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Team Penske President Tim Sendrick 
Good luck for the rest of the season. Good luck in the championship. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Chuck Wallace is the vice president and general manager of the Bomberito Automotive Group, which sponsors the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. The weekend kicks off on Friday, August 19th, and culminates with the NTT IndyCar Series race on Saturday evening, August 20th. Wallace said there's plenty of action waiting for race fans in this Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is Chuck Wallace, the Vice President and General Manager of the Bomberito Automotive Group. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Bruce, great to be here. Um, happy to be talking about the Bomberito 500. It's, 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 it's less than, it's just a little over 30 days out. We're, we're getting ready. Well, it truly is one of the highlights of the IndyCar season. It was a big hit from the very first time the IndyCar returned to that track the great promotion that your company has done for that, along with Curtis Francois and his staff, Chris Blair over at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway, it seems to have all the elements that anybody would want for a really big show on a Saturday night. What is it that has made that race weekend so successful? Well, I think uh, a lot of it's Saturday, Saturday night, but we, you know, we're great teammates with the track. I mean, we all get along really well. We think alike, a lot alike. Um, we were all promoters, you know, the Bombardier Automotive Group, we run a race to the savings campaign during, during the, the, during this period right now. And we convert, we convert 85% of our budget, which is huge over to that, over to that racing entity. So, and then, you know, we've got a lot of influencers around town, radio stations, TVs. We, um, Chris Blair and I always go on, we call it the road show. We take the drivers all around and do live interviews and we really push this race because it's really a regional event. I mean, you know, there's people from all over, but, you know, we just, uh, it, it just came together so well when we found out they got it and we joined forces with them. We, um, you know, we all, we all have a lot of fun doing it. The beautiful thing about it is it's about a three and a half hour drive from Indianapolis and you get a lot of fans from Indiana that come on over to uh, Gateway to see that race. And that's got to be one of the main things that has made it so successful is because Indianapolis is the hotbed of IndyCar racing, but Southern Illinois with such tracks as DuCoin and, and some of the old heritage racing facilities from back in the old USAC days has a lot of race fans. And I'm not so sure that uh, the rest of the country realizes just how many race fans are in that St. Louis Gateway, Southern Illinois area. Yeah, there's a lot of fans. I, I think the number, I, I think the number was upwards of like 30, 30%. Uh, a lot of people from Indianapolis come over. We get people from Chicago, Kansas City, Kentucky. I mean, really all around, but having Indy so close is certainly a benefit for us because, you know, you got the Indy 500, and that's certainly the uh, that's the classic. Curtis Francois may own Worldwide Technology Raceway, but in a lot of ways, driver Joseph Newgarden has been the dominant driver there since the Bob Marito Automotive Group 500 began in 2017. He's won that race three times. Teammate Will Powers won it another time. The only other winners there was in uh, 2019. Takuma Sato drove to victory. Scott Dixon drove to victory uh, in one of the doubleheader races back in 2020. If you look at it, those are some really big names that have won on your track. 
Yeah, no, it's just, it's been, it's, it's, it's just so exciting. I mean, to have all those race car drivers here and some of those, the names you just named off, you know, and all of those guys, most of those guys have done the uh, road show with us and helped promote the race and come into town and, and done interviews at the TV stations. But, you know, it's such a unique track too. You know, if you haven't been here, you know, it's kind of an A shape and, you know, all four corners are different and it, it provides some really exciting racing, but yeah. It's uh, hopefully we'll get another big name. They're all big names, but hopefully we continue that trend and continue to uh, be successful, you know, at the racetrack. Do you see any reason in particular why Joseph Newgarden has been so successful there with three victories? Um, he knows his way around the place. I know that. I mean, he likes the track. I, I would say most of the guys do. He really, he really likes the track. He's Midwest. He's from Nashville. Um, you know, kind of, a, I, I can't say it's his home track anymore, but, He's certainly got a lot of fans here for sure. And uh, another, uh, there's going to be another race this weekend. It happens in Newton, Iowa. It's going to be the High V Doubleheader Weekend. And how much can having their race so close to your short track race really complement each other? Because anybody that's a true race fan sees really great racing with Indy cars on a short oval. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think I think both races lend well to each other. You know, they're both in the Midwest. They're both easy to get to. Um, having a double header there is certainly going to, you know, motivate the fans and electrify people. And, you know, our race is a little bit different. The track's a little bit different. Uh, Saturday night, Saturday, it's actually a Saturday day race this year because of the TV, but, um, you know, they're just beautiful on an oval and, you know, there's nothing like IndyCar oval racing. It's exciting. I mean, the guys that are, the guys that are leading with five laps to go usually don't win. And then lead changes maybe five or six times. And is there just something really cool about that track when the lights come on at night? Well, when the lights come on at night, Indy cars, they're, they're beautiful cars anyway. But when you see them at nighttime, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's something to see. And they're just fast. I mean, if people, people that haven't been to an Indy car race, you know, I mean, NASCAR and other types of racing, sure. But, I mean, these cars are doing 200 miles an hour with open wheels. I mean, there's no rubbing. There's, I mean, it's, it's you know, you got to trust each other, and it's fast. I mean, 200 miles an hour between two concrete walls is, in a circle is pretty, pretty exciting. But on Friday night, you're going to turn loose the stars of USAC, and that's got to be, it's almost like hearing thunder when those cars come roaring to the green flag. What is it about that USAC race on Friday night that is a uh, big winner? Well, I think it's a great kickoff for the 500 for sure, but different type of racing, different type of cars. And I think that's one of the things that Curtis and his team, uh, Declan and, and Chris, I think they've done a great job overall that they get, they, they, they bring in all the racing, you know, that, that week is full of racing. You got Indy pro, you got any lights, you got, you got, you, you got a little bit of everything there. So it's a, it's a good weekend for racing. And not only that, but there's also a lot of things going on in the midway. There's some other entertainment options that are available. And do you have any uh, big promotions from the Bomberito automotive group that you would like to talk about? Well, you know, we're, we're, we're we mainly promote the race. You know, this has been a, this has been a great journey for us. I mean, we're, 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 we've already, we've been known around the Midwest a lot, but I think now we're national. It's, it's done. It's been good for us. We're, we're happy to support IndyCar and support racing in general. And, you know, it's kind of like giving back to the community, you know, it's, it's in our neighborhood, you know, um, you know, people like it. It's a good family thing to do. You talk about the midway, there's things for kids to do. There's, there's like the, the, they, they don't call it the snake, but they call it something else, but there's music and it's a full, it's a full weekend, a full day of fun. 
There's also another driver in the field, uh, Jimmy Johnson, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. He's going to be making his first IndyCar Series start at Gateway. And the last time he raced there, he recalls, is in the late 90s when he was driving a what was then the NASCAR Bush Series for Todd Geschechter to add a name like Jimmy Johnson into that IndyCar lineup. And the fact is, oval racing is more in his wheelhouse than maybe some of the street and road courses. So what would the excitement level be like if Jimmy Johnson goes there and has a decent race? Oh, I think the, the I, I think it's going to be that way anyway, just with him being here. Because, like you said, it lends he, he lends much more to an oval than a road course. And he's such a he's such a great racer and, and such a, a a good person. And to have him in the in the Indy field is it, it's 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 brought a lot of people to the sport. It's brought a lot of people over to IndyCar for sure. And we, I love to see him have a great result. I want everybody to, I want everybody to do well, but we want it to be a safe and a fast race. But if Jimmy Johnson runs up front, that's that's really good for him, and that's really good for the sport. And so far, with all the promotion that you've been behind, how, how do things look? I mean, there's a lot of enthusiasm. Like you said, it's going to be an, an evening start, I believe 5 o'clock local time. Race could be over victory lane around 745. People coming over from Indianapolis, they could do it all in one day if they wanted. People from Chicago could probably come down earlier in the day and then maybe get a head start going home and stop somewhere for the night. But that's got to really be a pretty big advantage for your track, where it's located with all the interstates that go through the St. Louis area. Yeah, it's uh, it's in a great location to get here, you know, by vehicle. And I'll tell you something, we ran, 2020, we ran a doubleheader, um, you know, during the COVID days, and we had the day race. And it was very successful. A lot of people commented about, I mean, nighttime's fun. You know, you get a little bit more time in, but, you know, with a little bit earlier start, the evening does close a little bit earlier. It gives It gives... Many more people, the opportunity to come for sure. And as far though, as if fans want to come to the race and get an early start buying a ticket, uh, what's the best way for them to do it? Uh, you can go to Worldwide Technologies website. Um, you can get tickets there. Go to Bomberito.com. Bomberito's actually got our own. Uh, we opened it up to the public uh, in 2019. It used to be private, but we do a big turn four area, have an IndyCar bar, food and um, food and liquor and it's a great spot it's about eight feet off the ground the first level and you're right on turn four going down the front straightaway so com for that turn four our worldwide technology raceway well chuck it's been a pleasure to talk to you i'm sure we'll have you back on the show here between now and august 20th but uh good luck with the bomberito automotive group 500 at worldwide technology raceway and thank you for joining us today on pit pass indy Uh, Really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope to see everyone at the racetrack. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. We want to thank our guest, Scott Dixon of Chip Ganassi Racing, Team Penske IndyCar Manager Kyle Moyer, Team Penske Managing Director of IndyCar and IMSA Ron Rizuski, Team Penske President Tim Sendrick, and Bomberito Automotive Group Vice President and General Manager Chuck Wallace for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests helped make Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And we especially want to thank our partners, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. 
Make plans now to see one of the biggest and best IndyCar Series races of the season on Saturday, August 20th. For more information, go to www.raceway.com and bomberito.com. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.